take your Bibles, please turn to the book of James, chapter 3. James, chapter 3. We'll read verses 1 through 8 together. We'll read this passage responsively. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. I'll read one other verse, James chapter 4, verse 11. You need not read with me. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judges his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and, the, and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful place, a haven from the world. And yet, Father, those of us in this haven are sinners just like the rest of the world. And we're in desperate need of you. Now, Father, please fill our preacher with your power. Fill us with your power as we listen. May we walk out differently and be able to show the world what this place has to offer because of the God of this place, please. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning, I will practice what I call preventive maintenance. I don't believe in letting things blow up and then try to fix them. I believe in blowing them up before somebody else gets to blow them up. Uh, no, I believe in preventive maintenance. The sermon I'm about to preach to you, God miraculously, almost three weeks ago, helped me to determine that this was the day that I would preach it. Uh, only God is the one that knows why he would choose such a sermon as this for such a time as this. But let me say, there are some Bible truths on which I will stand and I will fight to the death for. Today, I'm going to preach to you something that I feel very, very strongly about. I will not be passive about this issue. To be very honest with you, I feel very much so relaxed and at liberty about that, that topic that I'm going to preach on today. It may be the biggest destroyer of churches. It may be the biggest destroyer of revivals. It may be the biggest destroyer of the unity that God's people are supposed to have. The subject of this morning is the subject of criticism. Throwing dirt. Someone very wisely said, he who throws dirt always loses ground personally. And so you might want to give some consideration to that. Let me tell you something. As you know, it's been oh, a little over two and a half years ago, I had the privilege of being called here to be the pastor of the Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church. 
When I came here, I did not sit down with the previous pastor, Dr. Don Smith, and ask him questions about any of you. We did not sit down and he tell me all that he knew about you. When I came here, I came here and everybody here had a clean slate and everybody started completely over. That's how I did it. I didn't let somebody come tell me anything about you and I didn't want to know. I wanted your past to be your past and I came here blind and I wanted to stay that way. Why? Because I wanted to be fair to you. I didn't want to hear it. Oh, no, Dr. Smith didn't offer it, but I didn't go probing. That wasn't my goal. That wasn't my intent. And I did that on purpose. That was, I said to myself, that is exactly how I'm going to handle it. So many of you will come to my office and you'll say, well, Brother Owens, I know you already know that. And so, and I'll say, well, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know anything. I don't go digging up dirt about people. I don't work that way. That is not my goal. That is not my purpose. Criticism is a sin. You know, it's a sin for a husband and wife to be critical to one another about others. It's a, it's a sin for uh, friends to criticize others. It's a sin for, uh, oh boy, I'll tell you what. Pastors and pastor staffs really need to work at this thing because somehow we think that it is a professional criticism and two preachers can get together and dice up some other preacher out there because they don't like them. I happen to believe that's wrong. Just so you know, you'll hear someday that your pastor, somebody will say, well, your pastor was very curt with me and I'll tell you what will cause it. I'll be out there preaching somewhere and some other preacher will want to gossip about some other Baptist preacher and I'll tell them to shut their mouth. They'll say, well, he's very bold. You better bet your last dollar I'm bold. I'm not going to sit around and let people criticize and tear each other apart in my presence. I work too hard to build people up to let others tear them down. Parents and children become critical and think it's okay. Well, just so you all know, uh, dads and sons are not supposed to sit around and criticize people. It's wrong. Just because it's your family member does not make it right. Nursery workers are not to sit in the nurseries and criticize. And uh, I, I, you, you just need to know how I feel about it, and you don't want to be a participant in that sort of a thing. Uh, in the nurseries, you're there to love those little boys and girls, not sit in there and criticize and do your thing. Brothers and sisters are not to criticize within their own family. It's wrong. I have been a father now. Honey, Jeff is 22 years old. Is that right? My oldest boy is 22 years old. 22 years, never one time has one of my children came to me and criticized leadership without being put in their place. You say, what? I don't allow it. Leadership is far more important than to allow within a family a bunch of critics to destroy leadership. I, uh, I, when I first moved here, someone that did not come to our church, though they went to our school, almost immediately attacked me and attacked Brother Bush for something. I did everything I knew to calm that thing down. But what they were saying was not true and it was not right, and they had no right to say it. So he said, what would you do? Oh, I got two deacons and three staff men, went to their house, knocked on the door and talked to them and said, we need to stop this. Amen. Like I'm telling you, I'm at total liberty total confidence in what I'm saying today. Not afraid to say it. Not going to hesitate to say it. And by the way, if you don't know me by now, I don't just talk. 
You know that in the last three years that I have been here, I've had very, very few struggles. What a wonderful, wonderful transition we've had. And I can, I can attach every problem I've had to one thing, the tongue and criticism. Every time there's a problem, somebody's rattling their mouth, saying something they don't really know about. They're upset about something they didn't, they didn't know the truth about. They didn't, they, they, they didn't see it happen. Now, folks, let me tell you. The Bible says in James 4.11, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law goes on to say, and judgeth the law. It's talking about the Word of God. But if thou judge the law, thou art a doer of the law, but a judge. People sin more often with the tongue than any other way, in my opinion. James chapter 3, as we were reading it earlier, the Bible says the tongue is set on, on, on fire of hell. It says, who can tame it? Did you know that it's wrong to speak evil of another Christian when you do not tell the truth about them? That's wrong. Oh, but wait a minute. It's wrong to speak evil of another Christian when you do not know all the facts about what you're saying. I, I don't understand people that can say they know what happened when they didn't see it. Oh, but wait a minute. You know it's wrong to speak evil of another Christian even if you're telling the truth. What right do you have? You say, well, I know the truth about them. Well, why do you need to tell anybody? Look at the command of God. Speak not evil one of another brethren. I think that's pretty clear. Speak not. You're not supposed to speak it. Many of you pride yourselves on telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. No matter what anybody else thinks about it. You say, well, let the chips fall where they may. We say, I'm going to speak my mind. It's the way I am, no matter what people think about it. Well, you're not as good a person as what you think you are. You need to learn the Christian grace of not telling everything you know and not letting everybody know everything you heard. You know, the sin of criticism, it's, it's bitter, it's wicked, and it'll bring the wrath of God upon you, I'll guarantee it. The Bible says our tongue can be set on fire of hell. A fiery tongue comes from a heart and a mouth that creates ashes of the lives of other people. Found a little poem. It's entitled, Don't. If an impulse comes to say some unthoughted word today that may drive a friend away, don't say it. If you heard a word of blame cast upon your neighbor's name that may injure his fair fame, don't tell it. If malicious gossip's tongue, some vile slander may have flung on the head of old or young, don't repeat it. Even if the story's true, think of all the harm it would do. How much better, then, if you don't rehearse it. Thoughtful, kind, helpful speech is a gift we give to each. This is the lesson we should teach, and don't abuse it. I'm going to show you something today. I don't think you'll soon forget it, but... Gossip and criticism is much like the spreading of feathers. I'll show you what I mean. I have a feather pillow. 
Now, now, let me explain something to you, my friend. Every time you say something, you spread it. Now, some of you, you're laughing already at those feathers. But you know, if we were out of doors, and Brother Red, I'm going to use this... Uh, I'm going to use this microphone. If we were out of doors, let me tell you what happens when you, when you start spreading feathers. You spread a feather out of doors, let me tell you what happens. It's going to blow, and it's going to blow, and it's going to blow, and it's going to spread. And I've got bad news for you, critic. You'll never regather all the feathers. You'll never get them back. You criticize, you gossip, and the wind gets a hold of it, and the devil gets a hold of it, and what happens? It begins to blow, and it blows, and it blows. And you say, well, I think I'll go get right with those people. My friend, you'll never regather the feathers. You'll never be able to find them all. We'll never be able to gather up the mess that you created and the people that you hurt and the pain that you caused and the reputation that you destroyed. So, well, I only, I only shared it with one. It's a funny thing how many of us share it with one, but before long, everybody knows. The one you must be sharing it with may have a fault. You say, what's that fault? They're human? Oh, no. I've got a feather in my water. I say to you, this is the title of my sermon today. It's called, You Can't Regather the Feathers. You can't. Once you say it, it's in somebody else's ears. If I had time, I'd take you a passage of Scripture that says, We can't but speak what we have heard. Haven't you learned by now that people don't keep their mouth shut? When you have to say, please don't tell anyone, you already know there's a chance they will or you wouldn't have to say that. I want everybody in the church, when you go out in the parking lot later on, to check and see if you can get all those feathers gathered up that I just threw out the side doors. And that's what we do. When we talk negative, when we criticize, when we gossip, we are spreading feathers and they'll never be regathered. So... For some of you, this morning, I'm going to pluck your tail feathers. First of all, understand something. The Bible says this. If you learn not to judge people, it will help you not to be a critic. Almost always, people that are judging others are critics. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through 5. Let me read it to you. The Bible says this. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, ye shall be judged. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine eye, behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. One of the reasons why we have a problem with our tongue and our criticism is because we are judgmental on those around us. One Christian ought not stand in judgment of another Christian because you don't know all the facts. 
One reason God says, don't you be going around casting your judgment on other people in the church because you usually did not see it. You have no idea what really happened. And before long, your critical tongue will be unleashed on somebody and you don't even know what's going on. Most criticism is based on hearsay. Most criticism is based on rumor. And just so you know, that's not fair. It's not fair when we do that. You know, before you pass on criticism that will break somebody's heart, or bring tears and shame, or arouse anger, or make some young Christian to stumble, consider if you absolutely know beyond any shadow of a doubt that what you're talking about is true and actually happened. Now that's not unreasonable, is it? See folks, you can't regather the feathers. There's a story in the Old Testament found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. A gal by the name of Hannah was very desirous to have a baby. But until that moment, her womb had been closed and she was unable to bear children. She really wanted to have a baby and she really wanted to have a baby boy. It was very important to her. She went down to the church and she came to the altar and she was at the altar and she was praying and she was weeping. She was not praying out loud, but she was in turmoil. She wanted a baby so desperately. Eli, the priest, was standing in the back. He was watching her kind of moan and groan and roll at the altar. If you know the story, his assumption was she was drunk at the altar. The problem was she wasn't drunk. She was hurting and moaning and groaning and begging God for a child. And had Eli gone to everybody and said, you want to know what I saw? He would have been wrong. His assumption was wrong about her. I wonder how many of you have assumed something about someone and you're wrong about it. But after your assumption, you began to talk about it, and now you have judged someone, and unjustly, and you grabbed yourself a handful of feathers, and you threw them everywhere, and even if you get right with God, we can't gather up all your feathers. Because they're going to blow, they're going to blow to other parts of the congregation, they're going to blow to other people in the community, they're going to blow to other churches, and you're never going to regather them because you spoke words that it should have never been spoken, and it came because you judged when you shouldn't have judged. Let me tell you another story. You look at the, the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Do you know what rumor their enemies spread about them? These men are full of wine. They're drunk. That's why they're all excited about the things of God. That's why they're out here. What's with these guys? You're drunk. Do you realize their enemies tried to spread that everywhere about them? And it was a bold-faced lie. A bold-faced lie. On the day of the biggest revival in New Testament church history, somebody was assuming and spreading gossip trying to ruin it. Let me say to those people back then, can't regather the feathers. People speak evil because they think evil. Let me tell you why, why some of you speak evil. You don't know the facts, but you're only hoping they did wrong. 
because you think evil of somebody. You don't like them. That's why you speak what you don't know because your hope is they have done wrong. Listen, you won't judge with your mouth if you don't do it in your heart and mind. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but let me tell you, the Bible specifically tells women to be careful with your talking. You say, that's not very politically correct, and the Bible's not politically correct. I don't care. Listen, First Timothy chapter 5, verse 11 and 13. But the younger widows refuse, for they have begun to wax wanton against Christ. They will marry. And speaking to women, they learn to be idle. That means they're not doing anything in the church. Watch, watch your critics. They're usually people that don't come to anything much. They're not soul winners, not involved, not committed. They learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but cattlers and busybodies speaking things which they ought not. The Bible says, judge not. If you don't want to be a critic and spread feathers we can't gather, you need to stop judging and stop making judgments on people. Number two, criticism of gospel preachers is especially forbidden by God. When you say gospel preachers, what are you talking about? I'm talking about somebody that stands for that book. Not somebody, not, I'm not talking about somebody that teaches and preaches heresy. I'm not talking about somebody that says, uh, that, that, that says you're saved by your works or you can lose your salvation. That is heresy of the worst kind. I'm not talking about those that don't have a Bible out there. I'm talking about old-fashioned, independent, fundamental Baptist preachers that carry a Bible, that know what they're talking about. When you go to criticizing them, you're traipsing in dangerous territory. God will discipline you. Because Psalm 105, verse number 15 says, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. And then it says in 1 Timothy 5.19, Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Here it says you're not to receive an accusation, and if there are two or three witnesses that saw it happen, then you're to go talk to them, but then you've got to research what kind of witnesses you've got. Criticism of true preachers is forbidden by God. Preachers face slander and gossip more than any other group of people. We live public lives and we teach people to live above reproach. At any time, somebody can take a pot shot at the preacher, they like doing it. Preachers who preach against sin offend a lot of people because of the sinner's sin. So everybody's always looking for a way to shoot at them. Now, that's a responsibility I took on when I got called to preach. And that's okay. You see, the liabilities of what I do are far outweighed by the assets. Because I know who's watching out for me, and God told me, He said, Jeff, your critics, I'll take care of them. And I've watched Him do it over and over again. But notice in the verse here, 1 Timothy 5.19, about men of God, it says, against an elder receive not an accusation. And you know what that words, those words receive not means? Don't listen. Don't listen. That's your part. Receive not means don't listen. It is a sin to listen to the criticism. It's wrong. Critic, a critic 
you need two things to be a critic. A mouth and ears. It is a sin to hear criticism. Criticism. It's exceeding sinful to hear it about the man of God. I'm not worried about myself. But let me tell you something. I don't talk about other men of God. Somebody's a false prophet. I have the full right according to the authority of the scripture to get up and tell you about it. The Bible preaching preachers, I do not. They make mistakes. They're human. I understand that. Uh, I, you'll find out. I will not, I will not advise to our church that we subscribe to so-called Christian periodicals, newspapers, or magazines that spend all their time tearing down good Baptist preachers just because they don't see eye to eye on some little thing. I won't do that. I'm not going to do that. Let me explain something to you that the Bible teaches very clearly. It says, receive not accusations against the men of God. Stand up, Brother Bush. This is a man of God. Sit down, Brother Bush. Stand up, Brother Young. This is a man of God. You can sit down. Stand up, Brother Nash. This is a man of God. Sit down, Brother Nash. Stand up, Joshua. This is a man of God. You may have a seat. Brother Ewan, stay seated. No, no. Brother Ewan, stand up. This is a man of God. Tom Tennis, where are you at? Stand up. That is a man of God. Brother Matt Smith, stand up for a second. That is a man of God. Mike Bajan is over in Junior Church. That is a man of God. And the Bible says, Receive not. That's what the Bible says. Why? Here's why. Point number three. Why? Why should we receive not? Why should we not judge? Why should we not be critical? It says that ye be not judged. Or what it's saying here is if you're a critic, then you're setting yourself up to be open game to be criticized. Matthew 7, verse 1 and 2, judge not that ye be not judged. Now, number one, you shouldn't judge and you shouldn't be critical. Why? You shouldn't do that because it's wrong. But secondly, you better realize that if you want people to deal truly with you, you might want to do, deal truly with them. Do you, want to, do you want accused of something on hearsay? Do you want accused on something hearsay? You say, no, I wouldn't want that. Then don't you do it to somebody else. Do you want slandered on assumption? You say, well, I know I wouldn't want slandered on assumption. Then don't do it to somebody else. Do you want your reputation destroyed on rumor? Why no, Brother Owens? Then don't do it to somebody else. If you want kindness, then you're going to have to give kindness. If you want your faults covered, which the Bible teaches... If you want your faults covered with mercy, then practice mercy. If you want your faults covered with love, then practice love. If you want your faults covered with forgiveness, then practice forgiveness. If you want your faults covered with compassion, then practice compassion. Hey, listen. 
You ever heard the verse, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap? I feel sorry for some of you. Some of you are going to, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer bad because of your own tongue. Your own tongue is creating a storm cloud way out there in the distance, and it may not have rained down on you yet, babe, but it's a coming. Are you perfect and so it qualifies you to criticize others? A woman was taken in the very act of adultery in John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. They caught her. They caught her. Let me tell you something about that story if you've never really looked at it real carefully. They drug her to Jesus. They said, what are we going to do about this? We caught her in adultery. Now, just so you know, I hate adultery. It's a sin out of hell. You shouldn't be sleeping with anybody you're not married to. I mean, some of you are living together and need to get married because of what the Bible teaches. I said that last week and sucked all the air out of the auditorium. <laughs> still in the Bible. It was there last week. It's still there this week. But this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The very act. Check and see how Jesus dealt with it. He said, all right, fellas, you want her stoned? He that is among you that hath not sinned, go ahead and cast the first stone. And everybody left. Everybody laid down their stones. Check on this. And Jesus never told us her name. Why? Because he wanted her to have a life after her sin. He never told us her name because he knew the slanderous wickedness of man. And when somebody gets down, people want to trump them and keep them down. You know, those who talk bad about others seldom have spent time talking with God. Seldom do they spend time talking for God. I'll guarantee you, you show me the biggest critic in this house. They do not have a prayer life. They do not. They, I doubt that they even pray over their meals at their house. I asked Brother Nash earlier today, he'll tell you this. We were standing out we were standing outside the auditorium over here. I said, Brother Nash, for the song service today, I'm preaching a sermon on this the subject of gossip. We're not singing the song I love to tell the story today, are we? He said, No, preacher. I said, Good, I don't think it'll fit in. So let me say this. You'll never regather the feathers. Once you, once you talk to anybody, anybody, you spread feathers of criticism, and in that person's mind, you have now tainted somebody else's reputation, and usually on hearsay, something you don't even know, something you're not an authority on, and you have judged them. And it's especially dangerous when you go passing judgment on a man of God. And... You're going to have judgment passed on you. You say, well, good Christians shouldn't talk about me. doesn't mean good Christians will. Maybe somebody like you. <laughs> Whoa, are you in trouble? What if somebody like you comes after you? You say, is there anyone else out there that bad? Yeah. There's somebody like you out there. Let's look at the example of Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, 
He threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Do you understand that the people that were crucifying Jesus Christ, he knew everything about them? Everything. Now, do you think those were every, were those churchgoers? Do you think these guys that were crucifying Jesus Christ were, were carrying their Bibles, going out soul winning, dedicated, sold out Christians, not on your life? They were a wicked batch of drunken soldiers. And as they mocked him, teased him, and heard him, he didn't talk about him. Jesus could have told the truth about the man that was driving the nails in his hands. Hey, let me, take it, let me remind you of something. It is criticism even if what you're saying about someone else is true. What good are you doing by talking about it? Couldn't he be said to the man that was driving the nails, I know every one of your sins, let me start listing them. The Bible says, like a, a lamb done to the slaughter. He's quiet. Jesus could have spilled the beans on those who were crucifying him. Jesus could have told the true dirt on Pilate. Jesus knows all about you. You know what? There's some things your parents don't even know about you. But God does. Let me see. Has God come to you and told you anything about anybody in our congregation, Brother Nash? Huh. Has God come to you, Brother Young, and told you anything about anybody in our congregation, Brother Young? Brother Bush, has God come to you and told you anything about people in our congregation at all? Any negatives or anything? I wonder why it is the one that knows all truth about every human being doesn't go around spreading gossip about people and criticizing people. Well, you're righteous. You've been in the church a long time. You know what's right and wrong. Therefore, you are qualified to tell what's wrong with everybody. Well, God's been around just a touch longer than you. And he may know just a touch better than you what's right and wrong, but he doesn't seem to want it spread. The media is deeply wicked and very qualified in destroying reputations without caring what they do. All to make money. Anything that anything they can throw in the media to make money, they'll do it. I hope to shout I hope to shout that our church never has to have any coverage in the news. But I'll tell you something, if you got any sense, you you wouldn't believe most of everything that's printed. They don't deal off of fact and truth. It's assumption and judgment and hearsay. And anything that'll sell news. Well, let's look at the let's look at the example of Jesus Christ. In Luke twenty three thirty four, it says, "Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know what they do." And they parted his raiment and cast lots. What is Jesus doing? These people are tearing him to shreds, tearing him down, criticizing, mocking, and abusing him. And he he was forgiving. He knew the name of every person crucifying him. Every person that hurt him, every person that did anything to him, he knew their names and a list of their sins. And what did he say? Well, I'll just forgive them and go on. He prayed for them. Let me ask you a question. The person that you don't like at our church that you're talking bad about, how much time have you prayed for them? Or do you just not like them? You've heard me say this before. If you don't like me, I want you to talk about me for hours. Hours, honestly. Talk about me for hours. Like this. If I need fixed, go to God. He's my boss. 
He's got rank. He can pull rank on me. Or is it that you don't know him well enough to go talk to him about me? You afraid to go down to his house and talk to him? Say, well, we're not on first name terms. He may not be on any terms. Do you know something? When Judas came and placed the kiss of betrayal on the cheek of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, friend. Do you know that Jesus shared the Last Supper with Judas knowing that Judas was about to betray him, but never one time did Jesus reveal that Judas was the betrayer? Check your Bible. Can you check it? He didn't say to those other fellows, Want to use the stunk, Judas? No. Why? If Judas decided to get it right, Jesus wanted him to have a life after the wrong instead of the critics taking him and tearing him to shreds. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. It says this, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. This is the only time that I can find in the 14 books of the New Testament that the Apostle Paul wrote that he actually mentioned someone's name. Alexander the coppersmith. And all he said was this. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his work. That's it. It's the only statement made. The only time in 14 books of the New Testament that Paul wrote that he points somebody out like that. And can I tell you why? Because Alexander the coppersmith had risen up against Paul and was trying to smear Paul and pull the people away from Paul. And Paul needed to get up and say, don't you listen to him. He's wrong. And that's all he did. Because Alexander the coppersmith had publicly turned on Paul, then Paul, he just defended his ground for just a moment. That was it and it was over. Second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 5 through 8. There was a man in Corinth that was living in wicked sinful shame. Paul counseled the people in Corinth to withdraw from him. Paul gives no details about the misbehavior. He does not give the man's name. And then the moment the man repented, Paul said, the moment he repents, you pull him back into fellowship, you get him right, and don't you let the long tongues destroy him. Paul wanted the man to have a life after his mistake. Plus, Paul knew this. You can't regather them all. All the feathers that we threw outside are blowing in the wind now. When you get right with God, we cannot gather all the damage that you've done by sowing your discord into the hearts and the minds of the brethren. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let me tell you all something. Deep in my heart, there are heartaches that have been shared with me by thousands of Christians through the years because they needed a preacher that would listen to them. Deep in my heart, there are mistakes and sins and wrongdoings that God's people have committed. They came to see the preacher to say, Preacher, I need help. Now let me tell you something else about it. They'll go to my grave with me. Go to my grave. You don't have to worry that I'll use what you've told me against you. I can't do that to people. The problem is somebody can do wrong and you can take it and use it on them just like that. You know, I don't, 
I don't go tell my wife about you. I'm not going to. Why would I want to poison my own wife? You say, this is what people tell me this all the time. Oh, Mrs. Owen, she seems so happy. She just, she just seems, she's always got a smile on her face. She's always encouraging. Let me tell you why. She's not like some of you bottom scum sucking people going around all the time. Just, <laughs> gotta find something bad. We're to talk about people. Just say, oh, I cannot believe. Did you hear? See, we live in a different world than that. I'm not looking for negative about you, folks. I'm not looking to run you down. I'm not looking to criticize you. I love you. I'm your friend. I'll get up here and throw a fit and say, don't do it. Don't do it. It'll hurt you. But the moment you fall, I'm going to be there to pick you up and say, I'm sorry the devil got to you. Let me help you. But boy, you got them bottom, bottom dwellers. Some of you are like spiritual catfish. You got you a mud vein. I will take the negatives that I need to help you bear. I will take your negatives, seal them deep inside myself, and I'll take it to my grave. Pray for you, yes. Tell people, no. Love you, yes. Tell people, no. I'll hurt with you, yes. Tell people, no. Why? Because you can't regather the feathers. I, I think on three occasions since I came here, had to stand up and say to somebody, you're not going to do that. I hate it with a passion. Just so you know, if you're a staff member, you work for me, you're a gossip, you'll be called in my office, I'll tell you, shut your mouth or I'll fire you. I don't like those terms. You hold some position in this church as a leader. If you won't keep your mouth shut, I'll talk to you. I may ask you to resign your position. Why? This thing of criticism, this negative attitude, is destructive to churches, revivals, people, and their reputations. And it doesn't matter to me who it's with. You know, the last people in the world you ought to want to poison your own family. What is the damage caused by this thing called criticism? First of all, it destroys the hearer. If you love someone, you would not dare criticize to them because now you've laced poison into their heart and mind. It'll destroy you if you're the gossip. But you know what you're going to do? You're going to ruin the life of the one that you've criticized. I wonder how many girls have thrown away their lives after having... Made a mistake, and then their reputation is ruined by gossips forever. Hey, I'm shocked at how people are. You take some young lady that made a mistake, and maybe she was immoral. And I don't think she should have done that. But the moment she has, you know what she needs? Some people that love her and help her. Young people, I want you to go to the wedding altar virgin and pure. I think you ought to be hanky-panking in the slightest way before you're married. But when you fall, your preacher is going to help you. And I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you some of you people that, that are critical. You know, what's, you know what's a miracle? 
It's a miracle that you didn't get pregnant in your teenage years. The mercy of God kept you from getting pregnant because you were sleeping around. And now you have the audacity to attack someone who the devil got a hold of when he spared your immoral soul. I don't get that. I don't get that. Criticism causes suicide. Broken broken health. Ruined nerves. Broken homes. Estranged brothers. Split churches. Destroyed schools. I wonder how many pastors have been destroyed by the criticism of God's people. I feel sorry for them. I know what they go through. Not all of them... Not all of them take the bull by the horns like I do. Look, I'd rather be looking the bull right square in the eyes than have him coming at me from the backside. So I just grab him right where I can get a good eyeball to eyeball with him. And all preachers have been taught to do that. But all preachers know when to do that. And they're destroyed. So it ruins the lives of the criticized. Not only this, it causes young Christians to stumble. To hear old Christians criticizing each other and the leadership does not qualify you to be a role model of any sort. Young Christians look at that and say, good night, I could have that slop out there where I work. Everybody's stabbing each other in the back, trying to get ahead. Just go out with somebody every day, different at lunch, and let's talk about everybody. You know what? In thousands of cases, children in a family lose interest in Sunday school because parents criticize Sunday school teachers, pastors, and school teachers. And before long, that young person does not know anyone that they can trust or believe in because mom or dad are criticizing their leaders. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, it says, Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned. You know what we do? We criticize and we tear down the spiritual leadership in the eyes of our children, and then we wonder when they hit 13, 14, 15, or 16 years old why they won't go see the preacher and get help. They no longer believe in the preacher. They no longer believe in the principal. They no longer believe in the teacher. They no longer believe in their Sunday school teacher because some lazy sidearm critic was sitting back saying, Well, I don't like that. Well, I don't like that. Well, I don't like that. And they heard mom and dad badmouth the leadership long enough. Now the kid doesn't want help from anybody. And you are hurting yourself. Because they're not going to trust and believe in you either. And some of you, you're going to find out. You're going to find out the day's going to come. They're going to turn on you too because you are destroying leadership in their eyes. Your gossip destroys your followers. That's all there is to it. Whoever, you're destroying your followers, whether it's your wife, whether it's your children, whether it's your Sunday school class. So what, what, what damage does this thing criticism bring? It ruins the life of the one criticized. The criticizer and the one hearing the criticism. It causes Christians to stumble, especially the young ones. Then it gives the church a bad name with the outside world. John thirteen thirty five says, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Disagreement between Christians should be few, and they should be fixed quickly. Those of you that... You, it's constantly festering. Constantly festering. You don't like something, you don't like somebody, and you just, it's always there. You haven't gotten rid of it, it's been there for years. That's not what the Bible teaches. 
Bible says in Matthew 5.25, Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him. You know what that says? If you've got a problem and you've got a problem with somebody in the church, you're supposed to be spiritual enough to go get it fixed and, and let's get an agreement on it before it becomes bitterness and slander and gossip and before you start making judgments just hoping they'll fall. You speak evil because you think evil because you've decided you don't like somebody. Ephesians 4.26 says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. That means this. If I've got a problem with Greg Nash, I'm to go to Greg Nash before the sun sets and say, Brother Nash, I want to talk this out. I'm not to go to Brother Gewen about Brother Nash. I'm not to go to Brother Owens about Brother Nash. I'm not to go to Brother Young about Brother Nash. I'm not to go to Brother Bush about Brother Nash. I'm to go to Brother Nash. I'm to do it before the sun sets. And if I let it harbor and I let it become bitterness and hatred and judgment, I'm doing wrong. And I am a potential problem causer in the church. The world needs to see us shut our mouth. The world needs to see Christians get along and fix their problems instead of letting them fester in a church. That's how it's supposed to be. You really think the world wants to come to a church where the people can't get along? They can get that at the other churches. You know why people are attracted to this church? Because I just happen to preach sermons like this, and they are there to keep us from having a problem. So you got a problem in your church right now? No, don't expect to have one tomorrow either. We prevent it from happening. Chamberlain, you trying to fix something? No, I don't know of any problem I have. None. From all indications, from everything that people say to me, if they're honest, now if they're two-faced, yeah, i got a problem. But if they're honest, we're, we're okie-dokie, hunky-dory. We're in the gravy. Gravy. We gotta stop soon. It's almost time for lunch. What what kind of damage does criticism bring? Ruins the lives of the criticized one, the one that hears it, and the criticizer. Causes young Christians to be confused and stumble and leave the church. It gives the church a bad name with the outside world, and then it produces division and strife. Proverbs 26, verse 20 says, Where no wood is, the fire goeth out. So where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceases. The biggest church splitter in the world is something that flips in between your teeth. It's connected to the back of your throat. It's called a tongue. The biggest revival stopper in the world is the tongue. Evil speaking leads to misjudgment, exaggerations, misinterpretation, and sin. It leads to hate, vengeance, and hundreds of other sins. It creates division, dissension, disunity, and disloyalty. And then it grieves the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Criticizing causes spiritual coldness. You show me the ones that do the most talking, I will guarantee you they're the most cold. They're the furthest from the church standards. They're the furthest from the Holy Spirit. They're the furthest from being soul winners. They're the furthest from being on fire for God. They're cold. No power of God in their life. Not influencing anybody much for good. Show up, but that's all. Biggest gossips are usually the ones that have no power with God. The critics are powerless. Let me ask you a question. You say, Brother Owens, is this sermon for me? I don't know. I decided to preach this sermon almost three weeks ago. And God's a very smart God. 
Hey, critic. Hey. You say, you, you, I think you're talking to me. Okay. Let me ask you this. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Are all sorts of spiritual things happen around you. People are being saved. Lives are being changed. Prayers are being answered. You say, well, no. Maybe you quench the Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you threw water from the bucket of criticism on the fire of the Holy Ghost of God in your life. You see, you can't regather the feathers. Wasn't long ago, I asked a question to one of my staff people. And I watched them rise up and defend somebody in the congregation, and it wasn't. But a week later, the person in the congregation turned around and attacked the staff member. Thank God the staff members got character in Christianity. Tell you what some of you do. Leave the church today with your hand full of feathers. I've plucked... You can, you can use your own feathers. I plucked them. See if you can find someone that you hate enough to share your criticism with. Because you do nothing but destroy them. Get out there in the parking lot as fast as you can and just start doing this. Go home and get on the phone. Pick up your, your feather sputter as fast as you can. Well, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to spread them, and you're never going to regather them. And then the wind's going to be blowing your way someday. And you're going to say, oh, I just got hit by a rock. Where in the world did that rock come from? I can't believe somebody would hit me like that. That's unfair. That's unjust. It's not right. They don't know the facts. Bro, I'm going to pick this rock up. Oh, no. I remember this rock. It's the same rock I threw last year. Oh, another. 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 Take it easy on me. Won't you take it easy? Because you can't regather the feathers. If you're here today and you're not born again, let me tell you something. You're in a church that doesn't have problems with this. That's why we have the kind of singing and the kind of spirit we do. This is called old-fashioned, not apologetics, preaching from the Bible where you tell the truth. But if you're not born again, you need to get saved. And if you got saved and come to a church like this, I'll guarantee you with everything that I can, if you've got a bad past, we'll forget about it unless you go on and serve God. And if you've messed up, you're looking at a preacher. It's not going to sit around and talk about you and put up with everybody else doing it either. I can't control all the people in my church. Most of them I do. But I can't control them all. So you find out that there's anybody not practicing what was preached from this Bible today, they are against God. They're not doing what God said. 
I'm not for it. We're not for it. If they're doing it, they've got to crawl over God and the preacher to get out there to tear you up. You won't find many preachers that will stand like that against it. I'm going to protect what God's given me. He's given me a church and a group of people I'm going to love. You say, Brother Owens, you want peace? Yes, but not at any cost. You start a war? I hate war. But you won't win. Guaranteed. Let's start a war on gossip. Criticism. What's the best thing I do? Don't listen. Don't listen. Don't listen. If you're not saved, get born again. If you're here today and you're not 100% sure if you die today, you go to heaven, you need to get saved. And when you get saved, God will forgive you of all your sins. And get this, the minute He forgives you of all your sins, they're put behind you, they're in your past, He'll never bring them up to you again, ever. The devil and the devil's people are the ones that will bring them up, but not God.